Hey everybody, this is Friedrich, Sergeant of Arms at the Citadel. It's lonely work, if you're like me, you're looking for love. You never know when or where you'll meet the one. For me, it was a weird day. I had just been possessed by an evil blue energy that compelled me to attack the man I was charged with protecting. Just then I saw an angel on an airship burst through the roof and into my heart. Malice and kill, you're my lady. If you're looking to make a love connection, I recommend Awful Neutral. For the low, low price of a five-star review on iTunes, we guarantee love. High five! Ah, oh, you miss me. You owe me five. shop, buy a bag of balloons with the money we got, set them free at the break of dawn till one by one, they were gone. Back at base, bugs in the software, flash the message, something's out there. Floating in the summer sky, 99 kids on bikes go by. Welcome back to Kids on Bikes, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Every time, I love them, Caleb. Keep them coming. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to be your host, your game master, your Discord technician, Caleb Cleveland. With me are my wonderful, beautiful, incredibly handsome and uh, evocative players. Let's start with Damien Mercado as... Um, I play Clarence Peterson, awkward fat kid. Clarence, you're doing okay there, buddy? You sound a little sinusy. Springtime in Texas is terrible for my allergies. Okay, well, we've established it's fall, but whatever. You know, play havoc with the uh, continuity. Whatever, do it, do whatever you want. I'm like only trying to paint a word painting, whatever. Oh, did I say spring? I'm at fall. I'm so sorry. Voice in the sky. Shut up, shut up, Clarence. We's got AG as... Um, Clarence's sister, Penelope Peterson, and there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, Clint Beischer as... I'm Chaz Montgomery here, and I tell you what, I'm going to find that ghost car. Hell yeah, it's good to have a mission. Jesse Egan as... Flip Dimpleton, leader of the Conspiracy Theorist Club, and I always look to the skies. Beautiful. Sarah Lee Steiner as... Pat, handsome foreign exchange student with precious goat head that none of you should ever touch. Well, I'll see about that. Our shotgun-toting sheriff-to-be, Joe Camacho, who are you playing again in this game? I am playing Harrison Kunth, the new sheriff in town. Harrison is uh, infatuated with authority, and Mike is apparently infatuated with manslaughter. And uh, Clarence's mom. Who really isn't? I mean, she's just a darling. And a hugger. And uh, lastly, but of course not lastly, Dave Callens as... Uh, Aristotle Jones, at your service. Thank you very much. So Kids on Bikes is a fantastic, really, really interesting uh, storytelling-based role-playing game along the lines of like E.T. meets Goonies meets uh, Stranger Things, created by Jonathan Gilmore and Doug Glevandowski of Renegade Games. Big fans of it here. I hope you enjoy.
So, last we left our intrepid conspiracy theorist club members and impromptu members. Well, they were kind of splitting up. Several of them had just met the mysterious Charles Kettle. He's a local reclusive artist in the town of Obayono, Texas, uh, responsible for this rather bizarre series of uh, megaliths in the middle of town that are evocative of very famous toys that uh, the town is, is known for. He dropped a whole bunch of really fantastic mystery bombs onto our intrepid investigators before, you know, sharing his chili and uh, peacing out. Then we kind of split up, did a little bit of investigation. Chaz and Flip went to Chaz's dad's house. One of them did an impromptu bit of distraction while the other scrambled up and found, uh, into, it looked into the garage into a uh, fairly, you know, loosely guarded filing cabinet and located some blueprints that Chaz's dad left behind from his, when he was uh, contracted to build one of the uh, aforementioned town's many landmarks, in this case, a colossal teepee made out of concrete and painted, a very popular tourist site, and apparently the source of many a secret. I found those uh, blueprints. At the low cost of Chaz's dad's trust, you lied to your dad, Chaz. That's all it took. So that's all it took. Just... I just allowed him plausible deniability, okay? That's something that Flip taught me. It's something that's really important. I think he knew what was going on. My dad's real smart. I just He just needed to be able to say that he didn't know, and that's, you know, that's what we did. It's not, it's not lying. It's, uh, you know, it's... Did I say that right, Flip? Pla- pla- yes. We like to call it, oh boy, oh didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Believing that you're doing people a favor by lying to them is the first step. While they were doing this little bit of family larceny, the others were taking Penelope's now kind of gently beat up, slightly used cabriolet down to the teepee and waiting for them. The camera fades in. You can see the distant lights from the football field of the high school. You can probably even hear some of the roar of the distant crowd. But that's not where we were. We trolley down into the parking lot of the teepee. A tumbleweed or two rolls past as the cabriolet sort of rattles into view. It's kind of a quiet night here in uh, Obiono. It's, uh, I'm going to say it's twilight. Does uh, Penelope park it nicely? Does she like double park it? Does she like do it one of the diagonal thing? Out of character, she's a really terrible driver. So she's gonna yeah. think she's gonna think that she parked it perfectly, but it's all wonky. Beautiful. And she doesn't care, and no yeah. one can tell she, her otherwise. She parks it like the somebody who loses in thirty seconds uh, to Tetris. She gives herself an A plus. So the rest of you hop out. Chaz and I are racing up on our huffies. Chaz and you racing up on huffies. Did you leave the blueprints behind, or do you have them with you? No, I've got the blueprints right here in my backpack. Thank goodness for those backpacks, otherwise you'd never be able to be on your bikes. I've got everything in this backpack. I've got my hopes and dreams in this backpack. It's a pretty big backpack. Not to self, steel backpack. (laughs) Pat, do you have a backpack? What do you keep in your goat head in? The goat head is her backpack. Goats and dreams. I do have a backpack. My backpack has machete in it and goat head. And also I think of a small flask of vodka. Standard things you would find in Eastern European child's backpack. What airline do you use? Because I really don't want to fly it. It went bankrupt immediately upon her disembarking. She came here on a boat, right? Yeah, she flew here on a boat. She flew here on a boat. (laughs) Well, President says we shoot down boats in this country. What a country! So, uh, yeah, the night's getting a little, uh, it's a little humid, uh, a little windy, you know, a little breezy. It's, you know, mid-autumn. mid, mid autumn. 
gorgeous. Uh, the night was sultry. It was moist. How's, how's that for a, uh, a word tapestry for you? It's beautiful. The rest of you, I guess, start uh, disembarking from the cabriolet. Uh, so Penelope, what are you doing? We're at the teepee. You are at the teepee, yes. I'm going to start walking. I don't seem to see a door. What? Like, she's just like wandering around the teepee looking for the door and keeps keeps going. When I race up with the bike, I, I, I want to get out the blueprints and try to read them. I feel like we're all getting out of the car and we're all sort of looking at up at the teepee with sort of confused looks on our faces until Pahilip comes in. Chaz, as you and Flip were uh, pedaling your way towards the teepee, which is pretty much visible from anywhere in town, you realize that for a Saturday night playoff game, there's a bit more traffic on the road than would normally be expected in Obayono. I'm going to have you roll a flight check. Who, Chaz or Flip? This is Chaz. I'll have you roll separately, actually. It's not exactly your strongest nor your weakest thing. Bam! I got a seven on my flight roll. Seven in flight. What are we trying to achieve? What number do we try to hit? Actually, you were trying to hit a six. It was basically simply to uh, be aware there's at least one, perhaps two or three silver or gray Ford probes that are kind of lurking uh, around the suburbs uh, in and around Obayono, especially between uh, Chaz's house for some reason and the teepee. There just seemed to be an inordinate amount. And as you know by now, those things are signs of imminent danger. They are bad omens. Man, there's a lot of these same silver cars. Is that something to do with the ghost car flip? I don't like this at all. Could be, but I think they're they're ghost probed. Probe ghosts. We gotta watch out for those. I don't want to get no probe by no ghost, but we better we better fly under the radar here. Your flip. Uh, is there any way that we can uh, you know subvert these? Pedal, pedal quietly. <laughs> <laughs> all of these. Uh... All of our trading cards and bells that we have put in our spokes, we should remove those now. That's a... You are a freaking genius. Like, I cannot never... I can never believe how you keep on coming up with smart stuff every dang time flip. That's why you're my best friend, even though you're 12 and I'm 16. Well, well thanks. I, you know, since you say that, I guess I'll stop blowing this air horn. And, uh... <laughs> we'll stop drawing attention to ourselves so much. That's right. We're trying to sneak on our bikes. All right. So Flip and Chaz decide to go into stealth mode by removing the playing cards and little beads from the uh, spokes of their bikes. And by doing so... Anal beads. Would you... No. No, God damn it! He did not say... Puffy beads. Chaz rips the reflectors off. I thought you were going to say rips the anal beads out. <laughs> He rips them off and stomps on them. So beads go rattling on the ground, playing cards, reflectors are all dis not only discarded, but crushed. All the extra lights that we had mounted on the bikes. We had mounted a lot of like UFO spotting technologies. <laughs> there were some bells and whistles on these things. Yeah, like a right. great big uh, boosting antennas for your walkie talkies. Big flags. There was like a long, tall flag that went up from the back of the the seat that said Conspiracy Theorist Club on it. Plus a string of cans that were trailing behind the bike. Just married, Don't all that. Don't make sad getting rid of these bells and whistles, but dang, we gotta stay. It's a good thing you mentioned the whistles. I forgot to take those off my bike too. I'm always blowing these when I'm in trouble, but let's get, let's remove the whistle. Do you, uh, are you guys getting blisters from the fact <laughs> that you're milking this like one fucking joke? Like Milk so blisters? many times? 
Okay, anyway, um, so yes, uh, you guys decide to go into stealth mode. You discard your extra bits and bobs off of your bikes and proceed. You don't think you've been spotted, but damn, is it hard to avoid. It's actually slowing you down a little bit. By the time you get to the teepee, the rest of the gang, Aristotle, Pat, Clarence, I'm going to say Mike. Mike is sort of just standing there like a Terminator, waiting for something to go into his line of sight so he can kill it. Everybody else is kind of wondering where you are. It's been at least a good half hour since they left. Okay, so we roll up. I guess we apologize. You roll up, the parking lights are on, and uh, everybody else is kind of freaking out. Sorry, guys, we had to strip our bikes. But we're here now, and I've got the blueprints. Here, check them out. I whip them out of the backpack. Do I roll something to read them? Uh, yeah, you're going to need to give me a brains roll, which is good because that's your d20. Just roll a d20. To read a, a set of blueprints, I'm going to say that's like an 11. I rolled a 1. Jesse's back. <laughs> he accidentally set him on fire. I rolled a 1. So clearly the blue on these blueprints is for land. I've seen my daddy read these all the time. Let me help you out there. Thanks. I can't make hide nor hair of this. In fact, I think it's upside down and backwards. No, actually, you had it exactly right. Look at me. I got a 1 as well. So, uh, yeah, you, we got it right. The blue is definitely the land. Uh... It's weird, I'm the smartest kid you know, yet I can't read. <laughs> so you had the person help you who has a D4 in brains. Jeez and rice. Okay. Pat to roll the 10. Roll another one. That's explodes. Oh, so I roll another D10? <laughs> yeah, roll another D10. Hey, Pat, what do you think about the... Give the English blueprints to the foreigner. So does that mean I rolled a 19 out of 10? That is yeah. correct. So you went well over the... Uh, Puny Americans look like they've never had to assemble anything when they were 11 before. You know, it looks like they don't know how to friggin', you know, do cornering or, or build concrete. Didn't you all work in nuclear plant at five years old? <laughs> Somebody around here wasn't a government conscript, I'll tell you that. Your American educational system is failing you. The fact that she read those so easily, I think, lends a lot to her mysterious backstory. Is <laughs> Chaz like, she's a communist double agent, I knew it. Hot damn. So, uh, Pat, looking at the blueprints, you, uh, everybody else is kind of looking at them. Are we looking at the top of it? Are we looking at the bottom of it? What the hell are we doing? And Pat immediately recognizes that these are not just construction blueprints, but they actually show electrical conduits and water. According to these blueprints, According to this uh, construction, there is like some sort of access port or a door that is uh, sealed up. You can see from where you are uh, where it should be, but it's not immediately obvious to your eye. But where it should be, according to the blueprints, that there is some sort of electrical access panel as well as a an entrance into uh, a very large sort of big circular chamber on the inside of the teepee. Come with me, American idiots, and we go through a side door. I follow her. Man, I've been here a hundred times. I swear to goodness, I've never seen a door here, though. <laughs> if you don't look for door, you never see door. Absolutely. Yeah, but Chaz, you know your dad's good concrete patching when you see it. And uh, this is your dad's work. Somebody hid this panel beautifully in order to uh, keep it from being immediately obvious. In fact, if you had, didn't have the, the blueprints, you would never have known it was here. It's covered with graffiti and perfectly camouflaged into the side of the teepee. Oh, dang, my daddy's so good at patching concrete. Look at this. <laughs> I could never seen this before, but dang, look at it. It's right here. That's whole dang time. That's so good. My daddy's so good. As they say in my home country, don't look with your eyes, look with your brain. Guys, like, starts, like, 
rolling his eyes into his head trying to look at his brain. <laughs> Gives himself a headache. He's like, ow, I don't think that's going to work for me. Can we investigate the panel, see if there's a way in? All it would really take is a little bit of chipping, to be honest with you, where Pat is pointing, and you could probably pop it open. If I have a machete and I want to open, to chip, chip away. Oh, no, you, you, don't need to, you wouldn't need to roll it. It would probably just be, I mean, since you know where it, ha- where it is, and if you've got anything from like a nail file to a machete, you could probably expose it. Then I will use machete to knock, knock on circuit board door. Where the crap are you carrying a machete? It's in her backpack with her goat head. Are you serious? This is something you and I agreed to at beginning of podcast when we made character design. You said I could have machete, what so I have machete. Is it like, do you use it Every to eat your goat head? Every child gets machete. You, you guys have little boy, baby Swiss army knives. I have machete. <laughs> it's, it's her country's version of a teddy bear. No machete left behind. <laughs> you have a spoon to eat your cereal with, Pat. What is spoon, she says, pulling out her machete and carving off a piece of goat head. I have hand wipes in my bag. All right, Clarence, uh, I'm going to need a brains roll from you and from Penelope, since everybody else is busy chipping away at the teepee. Uh, difficulty of eight. Nope, four. I rolled a five. I'll give each of you three tokens, since I know you have fucked up at least that many times. I'm using my three to get to eight. Uh, I rolled a four, but if he's got it, then I'm not using my tokens. That sounds fine. So, Clarence, headlights come crawling around the uh, corner of, of Old Country Road and New Country Road, and you immediately see a, uh, a silver probe stop in the middle of the road, pull a sick Yui, and start slowly crawling towards the parking lot of the teepee. Guys, incoming! Guys, the probes, they're here! They're here, they found us! Uh, a quick tap on Penelope's shoulder, and Penelope sees it as well. Flip! Chaz! Oh no, not the probes! Can we disperse or hide? What, what should we do? I'm so sick of these things. Caleb, what are our options in, inside the teepee right now? We've got the panel popped open thanks to Machete. Yes, a big flake of concrete sort of slides down the side with a loud clack and breaks into shards at the foot of the teepee, exposing a metal electronics panel uh, with a simple sort of like lock clasp on it. It's not, pa- it's not padlocked or anything like that. One of you undoes the clasp, I'll say it's pad. Yes. And inside, you see a, a moderately sized uh, CRT monitor, green, and what appears to be an electronic eye and a keyboard. When you say electronic eye, like... It's a very old, sort of very low-tech barcode scanner. Does anyone know magic code to open door? Electrolyte, do you know? You've been here before. Come on, does this, do you recognize this place at all? Electrolyte immediately comes to life. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot to do this. I'm so sorry, guys. Let's see. I'm going to give each of you a a fun thing. I would like each of you to write down a fun thing that you can have Electrolyte do. And once you have Electrolyte do this, you can give yourself a token for having done it. And I'll uh, reshuffle it next time. These are just simple character traits because, uh, again, in Kids on Bikes, powered characters are meant to be sort of a collaborative character that everybody can have fun and take part in playing. So, for example, here's a character trait that uh, Electrolyte has. Electrolyte, for those of you that don't remember is our token powered character. He's a good six foot tall, just in beautifully proportioned, a little, little eerie, kind of given the uh, given everybody an Edward Cullen kind of vibe. He's a little too perfect. And uh, he doesn't have the best vocabulary, but he does have a heart as big as all outdoors. Here's one for AG. When you want him to, you can activate one of his powers. He's got three powers. 
One of them is to bring toys to life within a 20-foot radius. Cool. And I'll tell you what to roll when you uh, want to activate that, okay? All right, Chaz. Right here. Chaz, he is embonded to a member of the group, and that is Penelope. Whenever you're trying to think of something or if if he does something that you feel like, "Mm, I don't know if he'd leave her behind or something like that, feel free to use that little card I just gave you. Uh, sort of check us as far as like what he would do. Damien. Yes. He is super duper awkward and embarrassing. He is uh, ignorant of social norms. Excellent. Basically, if you want to look like, if you want to look cool next to him, just have him pick his nose. Understood. Gotcha. And Clarence would be like, huh, what a dork. Jesse, he is superhumanly strong. Not necessarily a good fighter, but he can lift much, much more than humanly possible, just through st- strength of will. Yeah, it's kind of like someone's taking my job. It's fine. I, you know, I used to be the strong one. Now someone's even stronger. No big deal. You're still special, Chess. Don't be jealous of this mute Adonis. All right, so Joe, the electrolyte trait I'm going to give you today is frequently he bursts into song. Like, uh, you know, Saturday morning cartoon jingles, uh, G.I. Joe, or in this case, uh, uh, Jarhead Jim. Uh, or Carmobots, or Freddy Tuxpin, any of the canonically approved toy lines that I have uh, previously established. Sounds good. All right. Cerily, here's another power that he has. This is the last one. He has electroreception, which means he can perceive electric stimuli within a 20-foot radius. He can use it to find hidden people or devices. Just tell me when you want to use it and I will uh, tell you what to roll. Sound cool? Cool. And Dave, I'm gonna say that that he is impulsive. So if you can think of something that he would pursue or something that, that basically sort of something id-inspired that you think would be good for him to do or the very, or you know, basically would just throw my plans into the, into the goddamn toilet as far as my adventure goes, then feel free. Wow, you really want to give me that power? Well, you know, if I was going to give somebody the power, I'd probably give it to you. Want somebody to know who's going to use it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is, I, would, I, I know you wouldn't be shy about doing it. <laughs> or abusing it, I should say. Okay, anytime you guys want to use your fun little uh, powered character traits, let me know, and I will give you a fun token as a reward or punishment, whatever. Okay, back to our adventure. And now, back to Kids on Bikes. Okay, the Ford Probe has sort of stopped and is slowly crawling into the parking lot. From around the, the park in which the teepee is constructed, you now see a couple of other headlights that are illuminating you and your friends, casting shadows and the first, so there are now at least three or maybe even four probes that are now sort of driving towards the, the parking lot. Pat, Electrolyte, did you look on that door? The probes are coming. Ah, right, Electrolyte has a look at the door, gives a little sort of shrug, uh, uh, okay. So to get through the door, do you have to use this computer terminal? There is a computer, but it doesn't look like it's active at the moment. It looks like it would need some sort of power source. It it seems like there's a scanner and we need to scan the right thing. We need to find a way to turn on computer. All right, look to see uh, where the plug is. Try to plug the computer in and turn it on. Aristotle, you have similar box at home. Do you know how to use this one? 
I, I wonder if Electrolyte could power up the computer for us. Yes, Energy Boy, make it work. Guys, he uses his power if you hit him on the groin. Then Penelope, come help. Okay, so basically you guys can try and do it by rolling or you can mm, take advantage of your powered character and have him try and do it. But who has the electroreception ability? I do. All right, so you can roll 2d4 if you want him to do it. I will roll 2d4. I roll 7. Beautiful. Okay, so let me take a couple psychic points off. I will take 7 points. Now has 6. So, Electrolyte kind of reaches out with his fingers towards the monitor and keyboard. His pupils and irises roll back into his skull. His mouth sort of slacks open. He lets forth this sort of guttural... And his fingers sort of hook, and as if he's like grabbing something and pulling it towards him. And immediately there's sort of like a CRT flash from the monitor, and you hear the clicking and whirring sound of uh, the computer inside the panel warming up. And immediately it looks like there's a, a very simple sort of like C colon backslash DOS operating system. Aristotle looks at Electrolyte's eyes rolled back, looks at chest says, You see, that? that's how you look with your brain. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get it, but. Uh, I'll put it together someday. Thanks. Yeah. Aristotle, get on this computer, man. See if you can put some code in. Absolutely. Okay, he cracks his knuckles like he's about to play piano. And he sits down at the keyboard to try to figure out how to activate it. Okay, he sits down. The keyboard's out of reach. He stands back up. He puts his fingers, fingertips to the keyboard. Let's do a brains roll. You are hacking a computer. Brains roll for Aristotle. What was my target roll, by the way? I'm going to say it is a 10. Ooh, that's what I rolled. Nice. Okay, so you needed no help at all. Immediately, Aristotle's like, hmm, Doth, I know this. Boy, this is the kid stuff right here, guys. I got this, no problem. He hacks the operating system, puts in a little bit of basic, and realizes that the electric eye is meant to read some sort of barcode or number code off of a, uh, it's meant to be, there's something that's meant to be presented to the electric eye in order to read it, a string of numbers and letters. Okay guys, it looks like we need to hold something up that scanner and that's what's gonna activate it for us. Well actually, since you've hacked it, it'll actually make it easier for you to figure out what numbers and letters go into it. Can the numbers manually be entered or do they have to be scanned off a barcode? They can be manually entered, there is a keyboard. So if uh, Aristotle, because he was able to hack it, knows better what numbers to put in there, how do we squeeze those out of his head? Physically, just physically squeeze his head. <laughs> That's it. So uh, that is a brawn roll. So I need flip. Go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. It's just going to be another brains roll. However, Aristotle has already had his turn. Penelope, you are up. You don't expect me to make a brains roll, do you? <laughs> she says into the camera. <laughs> and then smiles, and then my teeth go ting. But Penelope, this is what you want. This is your chance to sort of like be in charge and rule the school. Oh, I, I guess I can try to put a code in. Believe me, nobody's looking to you to do this. But um, <laughs> you're like, everybody else is like so smart. Well, I am very lucky according to the character sheet. So how about I try to enter a code? Yes, you are lucky, actually. Things just work out for me. I don't know why. It actually, that's exactly the way it does work. <laughs> Basically, you can do a brains roll. If you screw it up, you can spend two adversity tokens and re-roll it. What do I need to roll here? Yeah, you need to roll a 10. Okay. Well, I rolled an 8, so it explodes. Holy shit. And I rolled a 1, so nothing. Somebody can give her a token to help her. Oh, she didn't use her tokens earlier. No, she did not. Yeah, I, I can use a token, too. 
uh, to get to 10, I rolled an 8 and a 9, so we only need one token. I'll go ahead and use my own token. 10. All right, 10. There are now four additional Ford probes that are entering the parking lot. The first one has now muscled up to the curb, just as Penelope just decided, you know, to make... Basically, it's like when you when you take a Scantron test and you just put in a Christmas tree. That's what you did. And uh, you're just like, lol, 42069, and there is a majestic sort of like midi-file fanfare. A split second later, there's a, a subtle crack, and with a, almost noiselessly, a large hatch, about, oh, five feet high, three feet wide, opens up immediately to the right of the uh, electrical panel and begins slowly swinging open. Hey, check it out, you opened up that hatch. Duh, let's go. Well, dang, Penelope, I didn't know you were some kind of crazy computer hacker, too. You got so many talent. Can you just do me a favor and call me Penny? Yeah, I keep, I'm so sorry. I keep on forgetting. You've been telling me that before. I just had, you know, I've been hitting the head so many times. I, I forget which one. Are you still talking? Is which, you know. I, I can't call Harry, Harris, Harrison Harry, because he, he doesn't want to be called Harry Cunt. He wants to be called Harrison Cunt, and you don't want to be called Penelope. I've walked you away, by Penny, by the way. Penny, 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 Penny is actually a very popular type of pasta. Immediately, you hear like the sound of a loudspeaker coming from the lead probe, and you hear a female voice say, Children, step away from the hatch. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to listen to you folks that uh, kidnap our PE teacher and uh, your, your dirty commies. Run! What did you say? I want to grab my flashlight out of my uh, backpack, but first grab my hand wipes and wipe it off properly, and then turn it on, go into the hatch. Wait, no. Children, Penelope, Clarence, you're not to go in there. This is private property, and it's extremely dangerous in there. Please do not enter the hatch. A large Ford Aerostar begins, sort of rounds up the last of cars, pulls in behind them, and you can see it sort of shaking from side to side as something very, very large seems to be uh, either being removed from the van or is disembarking. How'd they know our names? How do you know our names? It's kind of scary, guys. We should just go inside. Into the hatch! Yeah, um, like, I've already gone through the hatch. You enter a pitch black room. As you enter, the hatch slowly begins to swing shut. You hear the sound of multiple car doors open, as well as a gentle pounding as something very, very large begins, has hopped out of a van to the rear. A gentle pounding on the ground, very heavy sort of like thrum, 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 that you can actually feel through your feet as uh, something very, very heavy starts leaping towards the open hatch, and you can see a ridiculously, almost cartoonishly exaggerated form silhouetted in the moonlight outside, easily about seven, perhaps even eight feet tall, that is lunging towards the hatch. Hurry up, get in, everybody. All right, Harrison, I'm gonna say that Harrison's probably the last one in. You can clearly see that this grotesquely exaggerated features of what appears to be the most muscle-bound figure you've ever seen in your life. Just grotesquely masculine. You know, the first thing that pops in your head and you can't help but think about how absurd it is, is those old sort of like Strongor cartoons that you watched when you were a kid. Strongor and the Masters of the Galaxy. Just about the strongest man in the galaxy. That's the one where he holds the axe and he goes, I have the purpose. That's it. He holds it over his head. There's a big blaze of sunlight. 
<laughs> and he lives in the castle beige skeleton. He never actually killed anybody with that big axe either. He just sort of like swung it around and like used it to deflect lasers like a lightsaber. It kind of drove you crazy. So much wasted potential. Anyway, so here comes freaking Strongorb uh, leaping towards the door. Harrison, what do you do? Uh, I'd like to take out my shotgun and fire at it. Nice. <laughs> Go for his tiny head. I want you to roll a fight check, and just tell me what you okay, roll. Okay, I got a seven. Okay, so this colossal figure whose face is kind of shrouded by moonlight, you can't really see it, but at least it looks a little bit more normal than the rest of their body, immediately thrusts their shoulder into the hatch. It's a little small for them. They immediately begin trying to squeeze in, but their colossal ham-sized fingers are uh, trying to press their way in. You can actually hear slight cracking of the, uh, the concrete around the threshold. You level the shotgun and fire. It's a little unnerving. What, shooting a giant He-Man with a shotgun is unnerving? Just a casual Tuesday. <laughs> well, the fact is that this guy, I mean, he has a human face, and he's only wearing, apparently, enormously oversized... Daisy Dukes? Yeah, no, gray tracksuit. Close no apparent armor at all, and he's charging somebody with a shotgun. There's a deafening roar from the shotgun. Everybody's momentarily deafened. All you can hear is sort of like that after echo of as the shotgun is blasted in the confines of this room. Anybody else have tinnitus? When the afterimage clears, you can still see him pushing his way in. There is an enormous gash. He's still pushing his way in. You can see it's rent his skin. And you can see flexing muscle underneath, but the muscle is the same color as the skin, and there is no blood visible at all. But a huge tear has been rent through his uh, tracksuit. Tell me how you react to this, Harrison. Uh, Mike, you know how to kill a guy. Go for his cock. I'll give it another shotgun blast. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love bunch of people at the crowd to kill them. I got my brass knuckles right here ready to go. I'll fire it up. Chaz runs in and says, Hell no, not on my watch, big freaky plastic man. Uh, I loved your cartoons though, buddy. And he does a jump kick to try to push this guy out. Not try to fight him, just brawn this dude away. So you're pushing, not hitting, is what you're trying to do. Yeah, it's like a push kick. It's basically like a reverse tug-of-war. It's a push-of-war. What's my protective do again? So, so I'm trying to protect everybody? Protective does, it adds three to any time you try to protect somebody else. So if you're protecting Harrison, add three to your roll. All right, so I add three, and then I already add one to my brawn. Not on my watch, big plastic man. I rolled a 17. Okay, tell me what you do. How does this happen? Jazz runs up and grabs on top of the door frame and swings his feet and just like is a swinging push kick to just push him back so we can get the hat shut. I'm like, not on my watch. You, you, I love your cartoons, but get out of here. You give a rather awkward little diatribe and a really passionate shove, and you basically scrum this fool, Captain Kirk style, out of the threshold. <laughs> He was so busy and intent on getting in and yielding to the shotgun blast, he was almost like giving a predatory smile to Harrison that he did not see you coming with the flying kick. And uh, he loses his balance and tumbles out, out of the door. Way to go! God, all my friends are badasses. All right, now get this door shut. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Flip, it's your go. So 
Can I close the hatch? You absolutely can. The action on the uh, hinges of the door are incredibly smooth. It closes with hardly any sound at all. There is just the slight little tum of little tumblers falling back into place as the hatch shuts and locks itself as it was like not even three minutes before, plunging you all into pitch blackness. All right, I turn my flashlight on and uh, check out this the interior of this room. So as Flip turns on his flashlight, Clarence, you have a chance to look around as well as Aristotle. You find yourself in what appears to be a fairly large semicircular antechamber. The outer wall seems to consign perfectly with the curve of the teepee outside. But where there was rough concrete that was kind of defaced and pockmarked with age, on the inside here, you see magnificent wood paneling, elaborate, almost Rococo lamps and uh, light sources, lush uh, scarlet carpeting on the floor that are decorated with strange gear and toy motifs. The whole antechamber sort of smells kind of musty and dusty. Uh, there's a, a mildewy kind of smell to the room as just it just smells kind of aged and untrod in many a year. Is this whole room full of goat heads? Smells like home. <laughs> Can't believe our dad killed this place, Penelope. Electrolytes start singing, we have no way of knowing. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Clarence? On one side of the room, furthest from you, you guys see a raised platform or dais. Sort of like a large stage, again, that's kind of gilt with large gold W's. Right before the dais, you do see that there's a large sort of gold circle. The carpet basically has just changed color. There's a large sort of circle of gold carpet. And as Clarence, Aristotle, and everybody sort of like looks as Flip pans his light around the room, one thing really stands out at you is that directly above the dais is an enormous banner that uh, is sort of swagged there in uh, really beautiful and elaborate swoops and written on it in enormous, uh, more gold on scarlet, are the words, no kings, no gods, only fun. This is pretty cool. That's pretty existential for a toy company. Pretty dangerous to be an atheist company here in Texas. Well, what if fun is my god? And I'd say you've never been to church. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I searched the room, I guess, some more. Um, I forgot what we're here for. We just got to look around and find out what our next step is. We should start checking the room. Yeah, I know, but why, Why? like, with the grand why we came here in the first place from Kettles. Electrolyte kind of snaps back to life for a split second and uh, looks at you and Penelope and says, Well, don't, don't you, don't you remember? Um, we were coming here to see where I came from because uh, I don't have good memories. I forgot to. My memory's shit. But, um, so here we are. Anyone else kind of bored with this? I feel like the A-team is on right now. She's Maybe, or Knight Rider. So here's the thing. Do you recognize this place? Does this feel like home? Um, any, anything coming, uh, coming to mind here? There's also probably a giant He-Man about to batter down the door and kill us. So keep that in mind. We got to move along. You actually, you guys don't hear anything from outside. It's kind of eerie. I like to imagine the giant He-Man doll trying to type onto that little computer. <laughs> 420. So quiet in here, Chaz. Your dad does amazing work. He makes a hell of a teepee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's so good. Can you imagine how smart I'd be if I hadn't hit my head so many times? Dang. Clarence and Aristotle now. 
All right, so I see this, this dais, the stage up there. Do I see any means of activating anything, like a panel? Hey guys, do you see a panel or anything anywhere? Electrolyte gives you a sort of a friendly smile, kind of odd, almost like brotherly. He walks over from Penelope to you, Clarence, takes you by the hand. But then, hang on, I want to I want to play my uh, my disrupt card, and before he does that, he he remembers how much that he likes Penelope and uh, starts to go hang out by her. <laughs> he walks over to Clarence and goes, oh, no. And then immediately says, oh, wait, no, I like her more. And then comes and then returns. It does a 180, <laughs> like, like he literally just turns on his heel, walks back to Penelope, takes her by the hand and walks <laughs> over to the golden carpeted circle. Immediately upon entering it, there is a subtle fanfare that slowly begins to, to get up to speed. Hidden stage lights begin illuminating the dais. A dusty sort of mechanical whir and rising up as if from like an elevator into the middle of the platform is what appears to be a short, uh, rather oddly proportioned little man. He's about five, five and a half feet tall, wearing a very oversized top hat, funny little red goatee. Most of you guys are members of the Conspiracy Theory Club. Except the me. You recognize the figure of Walter Wiebe himself, a man who has not been seen in public for well over 30 years. Oh my gosh, dang. Yo, dang. Wiebe's still alive, y'all. This is crazy. We never, we never conspiracized that one. Weeby, this is incredible. I can't believe it. I start jotting down notes for no reason. As you begin jotting down some copious notes, the sound of gears ends and Weeby gives sort of like a really odd mechanical jerk and the elevator he's on comes to a halt. There is this odd, again, mechanical sort of like speaker voice as his voice seems to come from all around you, from hidden alcoves and nooks. And the fanfare gets a little bit uh, louder as he gives this incredibly big theatrical gesture and the entire stage lights up. One by one, more animatronic figures pedestal up from the surface of the dais. Figures of very familiar toys, Freddy Tuxpin, Karmabots, Horsey O'Mine, they all begin sort of like gallifanting around, but it's very clear they're attached to gimbals and mechanical arms that are just very, very subtly and cleverly hidden from view by the subtle angle of the raised dais. Projections, gobos begin illuminating the walls. It's a little almost psychotropic in a way. Welcome to Weeby's Wonderland of Toys. Welcome, brave Brandon. His eyes focus on place to Electrolytes and Penelope's left. Free-spirited Kiwi. It gestures very sweetly to a place to your right. And lucky little Charles, he says, almost in a kind of patronizing little way, as he gives a kind of almost, not necessarily a smile, more of a, a sneer. And he seems to lock eyes with you, Penelope, right in the middle. Welcome all to this world of perpetual happiness. Outside these walls, the world ticks on as usual. 
He starts strutting his way, walking from one side of the stage to the other as uh, the toys sort of like give uh, little kneels and genuflex to him as he passes in front of them. Humdrum, dull, dull, dull. Men ruling other men with laws, laws, laws. Everywhere you look, don't live like this, he says, wagging his finger. Don't go there, he says, gesturing with like this sharp knife-like swing of his arm. I've noticed that Flip is taking notes, so I just real quickly. Flip, are you getting all this? It sounds important. He forgot to say girlfriend. It's supposed to be don't go there, girlfriend. We'll, we'll point that out to him later. Don't think that, he says, pointing his two little uh, fingers like finger guns to his temples and rolling his eyes. But within these walls, oh, within, wonders abound, tribulations cease, and childhood need never end. I have arranged a series of delightful glimpses into my world of play to reward you for winning. And with that, there's a a sharp sound of tape being scrunched up or eaten by some sort of a wheel or some sort of recording. You guys are very familiar with the sound. Those younger listeners may not be. Uh, You guys see, this is why why compact discs are the superior technology for audio. The figure of Walter Weeby freezes. The lights immediately flash to a bright scarlet red. And the recording says, activate kill mode. <laughs> you have 20 seconds to comply. They all slowly slide back into hidden sconces and recesses in the floor of the dais as a series of uh, red triangles uh, illuminate the wall and ceiling pointing towards the rear wall of the dais where the banners, they slowly like move aside, revealing a rather unexpected, if you haven't heard this podcast before, but oversized clown head with a enormous gaping mouth with a series of flashing and corrugated circles that seem to be disappearing down what looks to be a slide. Oh my God, that reminds me of Brooke and Savannah. What happened to Brooke and Savannah? Are they dead or what? Oh, I know this one. You guys, this is just like mini golf. We just have to find a putter and a ball. And if we get it down, it opens up. I played that mini golf before. That, that's a fun game. Where's the, where's the balls? Where's the sticks? Uh, does everything in this factory look nightmare inducing as this? What are you talking about? What, what's nightmare inducing about a giant scary clown face? Oh, no, I agree. I was just asking for the babies. I totally wasn't about to pee myself. <laughs> the silence is palpable as the fanfare has completely ended. The only thing you guys can hear is the subtle click, click of the lights within the enormous esophagus of the clown as they flicker on and off, inviting you in. Well, uh, do you want to go first, Sheriff? Make sure it's safe for the rest of us. Of course. I'll, uh, I'll head in there and make sure everyone's okay. Alright, scream if you die so we know not to go down. If you hear a shotgun blast, just stay up here. Planned on it. I like to imagine him sliding while holding a shotgun going, Whee! <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Mike gives Harris a hearty slap on the shoulder and goes, I'm going with you, bro. Thanks, cock puncher. I'll meet you down there. <laughs> Oh, man, it's too late for this, but it would have been fun uh, to explain Sal's absence. It would have been fun if we left him outside fighting the giant He-Man. <laughs> He's like, I got this. He spits, and he just leaps out the door. 
three episodes later, we go back out there, and he, yeah. it's just him with a bunch of smoking wreckage and cars exploding, and he's just like, what took you guys so long? I fought Russia. I won. Harrison bravely mounts the stage. It's perfectly smooth, Harrison. You can't see any indication that there were any trapdoors or elevators or anything. The craftsmanship here is just kind of amazing. It kind of blows you away for a split second. And there's the clown mouth uh, inviting you down, down, down. Slide slide down into that clown mouth. The clown's eyes sort of like uh, get, have a little electric buzz to them. It's like, come inside my mouth, Harrison. Come inside, it says. How does he know his name? <laughs> as creepy as this is, I'll, uh, I'll radio up. Mike, if you could follow me down since you're the only one to kill a man. I, I may need your skills down there. He's like, man, I killed two men. What are you talking about, man? My apologies. Let's uh, head down. Yeah, but last time Mike killed a man, he came back as a giant He-Man, plastic man. So uh, maybe try not killing people. They just come back. Is that your power, Mike? That's just one of them. The other one is making love to extremely beautiful women of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> what age? He's a mom hunter. Leave her alone. All right, so Harrison, you go down the clown throat. Is that what you're saying? Do you have to say it like that? Yes, I go down the, the clown throat. There you go. Uh, you make yourself as uh, cylindrical and uh, smooth as possible, like a human test tube, and you vanish from sight. Well, we tricked them into doing that. Let's go home now, guys. Finally got rid of that cop. That's all we needed to do. All right, I, I don't hear the shotgun yet. Hold on. So the camera follows Harrison down the uh, throat of the clown. Uh, it turns out that it is kind of like a fun, wacky water slide, with it, but without water. The fanfare picks back up. It's this ridiculous sort of almost carousel-like, as done by uh, some elaborate orchestra. The red lights turn into uh, sort of like this rainbow fluorescent effect as you zip and zag down a series of loops and turns and eventually wind up on a detritus-strewn concrete floor that looks as though it's been just covered in all manner of sharp plastic wreckage. Sounds like that ride started like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, but ended like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. It seems like uh, Walter Weeby watched Goonies one too many times. Uh, No such thing as one too many times on that movie. The room that you're in is uh, fairly brightly lit. It's much larger than the antechamber that you were in. You can clearly see the outside of the, uh, the wall here is also conical. Using, you know, you're, you're pretty clever. You've gone down a, several hundred feet, probably. But uh, the lights uh, here are not theatrical. They're more like bright work lights. At first, you, you think you're like in this bizarre sort of like enormous trash bin. Uh, it's the only thing that you can think of. The ground is covered with broken bits of plastic that uh, turn into this brightly colored noise as it, as it uh, approaches the corners of the walls. It's sort of like you're sitting in this uh, very sharp and uncomfortable sort of like heap of garbage. After uh, picking yourself up, you realize that all the bits and pieces here are all broken toys and that the ground itself looks like it at one time was meant to look something like a pastoral landscape, but it's been ripped up and everything here has been either broken or discarded. So this is like Toy Story 3. If uh, AG activates electrolytes power in that room, we just hear a bunch of toys begging for death. <laughs> Kill me! Oh my god! It's all groaning. Ugh. Harrison, what do you do? It appears you're the only moving thing in this enormous room. You can see like large plaster skeletons of what appeared to be 
you know, they look like they were once sculpted trees. There's even a path down the center that looks like it was once a river filled with water, but it's now, again, just filled with broken detritus, plastic wheels, arms, basically any sort of broken toy refuse you can think of. And it's literally corner to corner. The whole room is probably at least a hundred feet wide, and it just looks like this ridiculously noisy wasteland. Is Mike following me down the hole? Mike says, you want me to follow you down that clown throat? I need my dick-punching buddy down here to, to help keep me safe. You had me at dick-punching. And with that, uh, you hear the sound of uh, Mike's muscular tush uh, sliding down the plastic slide. Mike pops up behind you, looks around, dusts himself off, and says, Gnarly. Flip, you're up next. Yeah, I slide, baby. I go to, I hit the slide, and I, uh, slide, baby. I slide. Flip, you go down the clown throat. You end up in the, what can only be uh, thought of as a toy graveyard. What do you do? Um, I scan around with my flashlight, and I uh, follow the lead of the man with the gun. But I look for another door out of this graveyard room. All right. The uh, first thing you notice is that with the bright work lights above you, that there is there's slight uh, there's like a slight greenish tint to everything. But other than that, it's uh, very bright. You probably don't need your uh, the flashlight on. I turn the flashlight off, save the battery, put it in my backpack, and I remembers his stepdad Jeff's voice. Don't waste batteries. Damn you, step Jeff. Dang you, dad, stepdad. I use my walkie-talkie. Uh, can I walkie-talkie up to Chaz and tell him? Oh my God! The devastation. The humanity! It's toys! Toys everywhere! Dad! Dad! It's a toy graveyard. I'm very terrible at walkie-talkies. All right, uh, Chaz, you heard that uh, incredibly dramatic uh, appeal for help. Uh, what happens? There's toys down there, uh, Flip. I love toys. I'm going to go check out all those toys down there. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, there's toys. There's lots of broken toys. It's a toy graveyard. Lots of dead toys. And with that... Cowabunga! Woo! This is a fun slide! Hey, come on down! So, Chaz, you uh, you disappear down the clown throat. You hear, uh, it's a toy grick! And you land face first into a giant pile of uh, broken, like, Tonka truck tires. I'll piss my face <laughs> out! <laughs> Dang, that was fun, though. That was nothing compared to that time that car. I try to help him up. I pull Flip down to the ground by accident, trying to use him to stand up with. I just pull him to the ground by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, buddy. I don't know my own strength sometimes. Uh, Clarence, what are you up to? Clarence is going to think back to all the things tough guys do in action movies. All right, what would a tough guy do in an action movie? Because he really does not want to go down this clown's throat. He remembers that he has some of the sheriff's bottle of whiskey that he took from the sheriff's. If I had a nickel for every time <laughs> I said that. Never once having tasted whiskey before, drinking it like he would Gatorade, takes two big gulps, screws the cap on, and jumps down the hole. Starts feeling sick to his stomach almost immediately going down oh, the tube. Yeah, I feel like by the time he gets to the bottom, he's unconscious, covered in vomit. That's pretty much what I was thinking. Uh, an unconscious, vomit-covered Clarence tumbles out of the bottom of the tube. <laughs> Yeah, Clarence is like, ah, I feel like I need to take a shot of something. Mike is like, yeah, man, don't be a pussy. Take take a big old shot of that. Because Mike's already down there. I picture the devil on my shoulder that just calls me a pussy. <laughs> is, uh, Mike. Is this, <laughs> you pussy. Yeah, you're right, Mike. I am being a pussy by not drinking this whiskey. Oh, okay, just uh, just two, two gulps. That's good, right? Two gulps? All right, just two gulps. The angel looks like Gallagher. <laughs> He's not saying anything. He's just smashing fruit. All right, I'm going to listen to the other guy. All right, down the hatch, down the tube. 
<laughs> Aristotle, what do you do? I'm going down the slide. I will go down clown throat, but before I go, I take a long sigh and I go, oh, I thought my days of clown throating were gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go. Another day, another clown throat. I thought I left this life behind. I thought America would be different. I... Nicer factory, same clown. Pat, as soon as you pop down, you realize that uh, you join the, the throng at the base of the slide. Everybody else has uh, gotten little bits of uh, plastic in their clothes. You can clearly see that there's a large sort of gaping hole in what appeared to be once uh, some sort of river, but it's been filled in again by detritus. It seems to enter through one uh, wall of this uh, garbage-filled room and out the other, and it's uh, partially blocked. But it, you know, with a, a little bit of digging, you could probably find your way through it. Pat, you're the last one down, except for Penelope. Penelope, while um, everybody else is ex uh, is exploring, are you staying up there, or are you going to uh, sort of like wait and then uh, come down the slide? What is your plan? I'm just looking at at uh, electrolyte, really, honestly. I'm, I'm just sort of follow his lead, whatever he does. Can I use his awkward ability to just start making those armpit fart noises, like right now? <laughs> From a different room? Uh, this is, we, electrolyte is, is all of our property. You can do it from wherever you are in the world? It's, it's not Clarence, it's Damien, <laughs> so yes. He like reaches in, sniffs your hair and goes, We'll be right back. <laughs> and then he leans back and gives you a sort of like a sultry look. Like, right? All right, Pat, you're the last one down. I'm going to make you, let's see here. I'd like you to do a grit roll, please. Oh, I rolled the one. <laughs> Everybody's sort of like walking around, sort of figuring out where to go next. Pat, you're going, you're checking your inventory, making sure your goat head is nice and yummy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not a goat head for eating. What's that smell coming from your backpack? Oh my god! And I say this with vomit on myself. I blame Flip. It's definitely Flip. Flip! Jesus! <laughs> I don't have a goat head in my backpack. But Flip definitely looks like he's lactose intolerant. Well, you, you got me there. <laughs> Guilty as charged. You give me a little cheddar and whoo, things could be better. I'll tell you that. That's unusual for somebody of your age. Yes, whoever smelt it, dealt it. Oh my God, what a cool new phrase you just said. All right, so Pat, as you uh, are going through your inventory, you realize that uh, enough of the detritus has been moved around in front of the uh, slide to reveal that there is something a little homogenous about this really sort of odd landscape of garbage. There is a, what appears to be a big sort of like knot of what appear to be black plastic tires, sort of like all heaped together underneath, almost as if it were hidden under some of this random broken bits and bobs. So Pat, amidst all this garbage, uh, you see a, what appears to be sort of like a, a little knot of pristine little rubber tires. Pristine as in they are new and unused unlike other. Yes, everything else in here is broken, dirty, old and gross. The little toy tires you see down there next to your foot look as though they've been sort of either forgotten or hidden. You're not entirely sure, but they're all sort of uh, knotted together. I know you Americans do things different here, but why do you put perfectly good tires in trash? 
I mean, I would never do such a thing. That is crazy talk. What are you talking about? Don't don't be accusating on me about throwing away stuff that's perfectly good. I would never do that. I know you guys say these toys are broken to begin with. I mean, I would personally consider them in still good condition, but especially these tires right here in the middle of the floor, they are brand new. How big a tire is we talking? We talking power wheels? We talking hot wheels? Actually, it's a... Uh kind of a variety. The biggest one you would see would probably be the equivalent of like a little, uh, you know, one of those uh, those animal remote control monster trucks. Uh, the smallest ones would be, yeah, uh, about uh, like one inch. They're all kind of like knotted together. In fact, as you lean in, it looks like they've been uh, tied together in uh, groups of four. Oh, dang, look at these. They're little pre-packaged little groups of tires. These would be perfect for my little remote control little buggies. Yeah, that's weird. Somebody's selling these these four packs. Wonder where the where the trucks are that go with this. Uh, somebody takes the maintenance schedule on their toy vehicles very seriously. Maybe they're just all changing the tires at the same time. I don't know about you guys, but I am getting tired of this mystery. Oh God! Oh Jesus Christ! I'd like you to uh, make a brains roll, Clarence. Aristotle, you too. I rolled a seven of eight. All right, uh, Clarence. You feel suddenly, as you guys are leaning over, uh, as Chaz begins picking around the tires, you know, saying how useful they would be and such and such, you get the feeling that you're being watched. Aristotle, did you roll? I did not. Brains roll? Yes. Hey guys, um, feels like there's, we're being watched in here. Are there any cameras? Yeah, this is kind of spooky. So, Aristotle. A few piles of detritus over, you notice that you see a, a what appears to be a jumble of uh, broken toys that is peculiarly aligned. It's, uh, it's upright, and you don't think you noticed it standing there before. It sort of breaks the monotony and noise of the piles around you. It immediately catches your eye because it looks like, you know, a good... It's, it's basically similar to like uh, a Cabbage Patch doll but it is so worn and broken and sort of dog-eared that it, kind of, it almost blends in with the garbage, but it is clearly pointing right at you. Its little glass eyes focused on you. It's about a dozen feet away. What seems to be even odder about it is that it too, like the trash around it, is sort of like this amalgam of different broken toy parts. It's got this very overlarge bonnet on top of its head that is smeared with dirt and dust. You know what I mean, guys? I get the feeling we're about to be murdered. <laughs> As you look at it, Aristotle, you have a moment to do something. What do you do? Uh, you guys, do you see that Rubega Field doll over there that is looking at me? Yeah, that's a really scary looking garbage baby. What are you talking about? As soon as you say really scary looking garbage baby flip, the doll opens its mouth raises its right arm, which appears to be uh, the arm of a an overlarge steam shovel. It's bright yellow. And it screams out, Spies and thieves! With all the gusto and passion of some sort of uh, bloody-minded revolutionary. And uh, with that, the detritus begins to shift, sort of like quicksand. And immediately you realize that you are surrounded by dozens and dozens of hideous makeshift toys that are cobbled together out of dozens and dozens of different kinds of toy parts, erector sets, children's dolls, wooden uh, alphabets. Okay, okay, 
everybody, everybody, back up the slide. The clown throat is too wet and slippery to go back up. Peony, Peony, send, send help, Peony, send, send that dang uh, electrolyte. We need him. Toys are attacking us. Oh my God, it's pronounced Penny. Like the pasta. With that, I would like the pasta. <laughs> uh, I want to see if Electrolyte, if I can use his power, if he can bring toys to life, I want to see if he can stop them. All right, well, you need to roll 2d4, please, uh, AG. I roll a four and a three. All right, so Electrolyte gives you sort of like, kind of like a dull, very innocent, uh, wide-eyed look. It's very clear that uh, he wants Penelope to articulate what he wants him to do because he hasn't really, he doesn't have a whole lot of uh, impetus himself. Uh, can you tell him what to do? Um, you need to slide down there and stop the toys from attacking. Slide down, stop the toys. Stop, stop my friends? He says, he looks at, uh, he looks at you innocently, Penelope. Yes, exactly. Put your friends back to sleep. Make friends go back to sleep, yeah? Okay, okay giving you a sort of an anxious look that he clearly doesn't want to leave you alone in this place. He disappears down the hideous clown mouth and uh, a few seconds later pops in to a scene of absolute and total chaos. By this point, Clarence, Aristotle, Pat, Mike, Mike who is swatting huge waves of toys away, Harrison, Flip, Chaz, you are all being sort of like inundated by waves of these ridiculously terrifying piecemeal toys. Imagine the toys from friggin' Sid's room in Toy Story, but, you know, fighting like a mob of berserkers. Can I use my power? Damien, you want to make them awkward? No, I, I have a power that I haven't used yet. It's called Gross. What is it? When the toys start attacking, and about the time, uh, same time Chaz is on the walkie-talkie, you can hear me, sc I'm screaming bloody murder, uh, snot's already coming out of my nose, tears are escaping my eye, and I'm going back to a place where I always feel this way right before Mike or some other bully's about to beat me, <laughs> and I use my gross-out ability, which allows me to do the truffle shuffle whenever I want to try to oh dissuade attackers. Good. And so I instinctually, with tears rolling down my eyes, my nose getting snotty and just screaming, I pull my shirt up, exposing my fat belly, and just start rubbing it and doing the truffle shuffle, hoping the monsters uh, are confused by that. Okay. Uh, however, 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 don't forget, he took two swigs of whiskey. So what he's actually doing, he's got his pants down around his ankles, he's facing the wrong way, and he's just doing everything wrong. He's correct. He's correct. So your superpower is cowardice? <laughs> well, it was originally supposed to be like uh, the gross ability was like the kid who eats bugs or right. something, but I said I truffle shuffle and I haven't gotten the chance okay. to use it. Okay, well, so. uh, here it is. Uh, the truffle shuffle, in this case, along with the uh, the lack of coordination and uh, just pure fluidic body movement that the whiskey gave you, allows you to basically sort of like become a human water willy. The toys can't plant a grip on you because you are just this constantly moving sort of like lava lamp of fat teenage flesh. Uh, you're just like con quivering and shaking and uh, the second like 
some of their uh, little erector set uh, grappers try to grab you or or some of their uh, stupid little you know vinyl kung fu grips try to latch themselves to you they immediately find themselves flung away simply by the dynamic movement of your fat tummy sorry guys that was literally the only tool in Clarence's uh, bag that could have stopped them and it didn't work so it worked for you that was great I need you guys to give me sort of like a defense role. So uh, everybody basically, except for Electrolyte and Penelope, who is a coward and back up in the uh, antechamber, uh, I need you to give me a... <laughs> whatever is uh, uh, higher. It's going to be either fight or grit. Can I put any flavor on it? Like, uh, I want to use my wrist rocket to try to shoot a, a ball bearing. You absolutely can. No, no, absolutely. Use whatever weapon you've got. This is essentially a combat roll. So if you want to, uh, use, you know, use whatever advantage you feel like your character has. Uh, Flip, you are a D12 in fight and a D8 in grit. So you can use, I I would use fight if I were you. Roll a D12. You got a nine. Aristotle, you rolled a two. Uh, yes, unfortunately, I somehow performed just as badly as a drunken, uh, pants-down teenager right next to me. We both had the same up. That's rude. I'll start with Pat. All right, Pat, uh, you have been... That did not roll well. No, you did not. Uh, you are swarmed by a whole wave of nasty, spidery, piecemeal toys. How do you respond to this? Tell me what you do. Grab machete and I just start swinging like wild. <laughs> There's a large sort of like mechanical battery-powered spider with a bizarrely sort of like alligator vinyl chomping mouth that grabs your machete, wrenches it away from your grip as the rest of them slowly, like essentially, you're essentially being pinched horribly. Like they're trying to grab bits of you, uh, your clothes, your shoes, your hair, and like they're, it feels like they're trying to pull you apart. You have learned from Raccoon Army back home. <laughs> you are going to be moderately, you are hurt, but only temporarily. So you're stunned. Pain is only something your brain feels. <laughs> That's it. Not heart, only brain. Let's see, next, we've got Aristotle. You've got a grid of two. Tell me what you do. Well, I was, I, I jumped into a karate stance, uh, which I was familiar with from all of my online research, but as soon as I moved my feet, I tripped over one of the toys and I have fallen. Correct. Several of some horrific razor-toothed dolls have removed their heads and uh, revealed that their insides are this, this long knitted floss of uh, filling and they have wound their necks, uh, this flossy innards around your legs and have kind of gullivered you to the ground as uh, a series of what appear to be sort of like insect-like action figures are slowly like hacking your arms and uh, hands. You've never been more terrified than you are here. There's uh, blood that's been drawn. You're trying to defend your face, but uh, they're grabbing your hair. Uh, you are fairly badly hurt. It's gonna, it's gonna fuel his uh, kinks later in life though. Could you try to strangle me with a Cabbage Patch Kids doll? <laughs> Okay, okay. Sound like Teddy Ruxpin. Sound like Teddy Ruxpin. All right, Chaz, 
you too are surrounded by some just colossal waves of toys. You see Aristotle trip and get pinned down just horrifically by these dolls that are starting to chow on him. Same thing with, uh, with Pat, who has her uh, machete taken away. But you kind of get the best of the ones that are uh, trying to overcome you. They just can't seem to get a hold of you. Tell me what happens. All right. Uh, they're, they're just climbing on him. And he's like, uh, yo, little buddies, come on. This is, this is, what's up? What's going on? You kind of cute with your little messed up faces. He's like picking them off and throwing them. And he's just like staying calm and uh, thwatting them. It's like, that tickle, stop it. And he's just uh, not having any problem with them. He's like, hey, easy doesn't, easy doesn't, don't do that to me, that tickles it. And he's just like kicking them and, and, and squirming and, and, and uh, punching them away. He's trying not to hurt them too bad because uh, he actually doesn't see the, the, the damage that they're doing. He's just having fun with these guys. He's like, oh, this, this is messed up, come on. Oh, ow, oh, that, that, that kind of pricked a little bit. Hey, little buddy. And he gets a little mad and just completely smashes one on the ground. Oh, oh dang, sorry, didn't mean to do that. Hey, you guys gotta chill. As Aristotle's fighting for breath next to him. <laughs> Aristotle is fighting to, for breath. Pat is being slowly whittled to death. But Chaz is having fun. Oh, I need uh, one from you as well, Joe. Yeah, I wanted to try something, and uh, you can tell me what I oh, need to Oh, okay, roll. cool, cool. All right, all right. I'd like to team up with Mike, and I'd like to light a couple flares. And is there a big, badass-looking toy in here that could be perceived as a leader? Yeah, that would be the one with the bonnet, which is uh, sort of refraining from direct combat and kind of just, like, directing the waves of amalgam toys around with uh, what appears to be sort of like a a big plastic sword. I'd like to shoot it with a shotgun and then use the flares to try to distract and bring all the toys towards us and then use my flight to run away and and try to pull the group of toys away from my friends. All right, cool. Wow, that sounds great. Jesse, you're being also sort of like thronged by a wave of hideous makeshift toys but you rolled really well, um, so or at least better than I did. So tell me what happened. I think Flip, with his little, his little tiny agile ways, kind of leaps up onto a, a pile of detritus and uh, pulls back his wrist rocket and slings one at that bonneted creature that dived us out. Uh, so I want to try to shoot my um, my wrist rocket slingshot one of those ball bearings right at its uh, head. You hit it. That's perfect. You are also swarmed, but the focus that you have from uh, your years as uh, an amateur diver (laughs) aid you very well here. And you plant uh, a ball bearing and send that bonneted uh, little toy flying. The uh, -the glow-in-the-dark plastic sword that it had in its hand also goes flying. The wave of toys, there's, it's almost like a pause or a hiccup as they, you know, they withhold the, the next blow they were about to land on you guys. Harrison, let's see, you were going to do a, a Mike Kunf on them. I mean, that's that's oh, what the combo is going to be called. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to a, do a full-on Mike Kunf. And uh, let's see here. So you wanted to throw some flares, like basically like as a distraction and uh, see if you could take down their leader as well. It looks like the leader's pretty well taken down at the moment, but if you wanted to continue with your distraction plan, you may, or you can amend it. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll amend it. I will ignite flares with Mike, and we will attempt to distract uh, all the toys and getting them to follow us. And uh, I'd like to make a flight roll to run down the river to pull all of them away from my friends and towards us. All right, in order to do that, I need you to make a combat roll. So that is going to need to be your, let's see, either flight or grit, whichever one's t- uh, tougher. Whichever one's bigger, I should say. I rolled flight, which is a d20. Okay, great. All right, so basically you dodge and weave. Mike follows you. I'm going to roll one for Mike. He's the best sheriff we've ever had. Kind of is. Joe plays fantasy tabletop games to live out his police fantasies. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. (laughs) Mike is just like this, uh, he grabs... Like, he's trying to be inundated by these toys that are uh, clobbering your friends. He grabs two of the toys and just starts going, uh, using them like makeshift cudgels, and just starts swinging them around, screaming bloodlust out of the top of his lungs. And just basically just becomes this human top of destruction. They're just flying everywhere. He lets one of them go. He grabs one of the, a flare from you, pops it and follows you down into uh, the recession that runs through the middle of the room. And you are gonna see if you can sort of like wade your way through down one side of the tunnel, is that correct? Yeah, I wanna run down the tunnel, but as I do, I wanna turn to Mike. Uh, Mike, I saw this in a pretty uh, badass movie once. Uh, And he'll go and turn to the toys. Kill me, I'm here, do it now, kill me. As I wave the flare around and try to bring toys to me as I run down the river that's, you said, leading uh, deeper into the room. Nice. As you do that, a nearly pristine baby doll like waddles up to Mike over uh, the backs of its fallen comrades and uh, looks at Mike with its little blinky eyes. Mike looks, Mike says, oh, you're a pretty cute motherfucker. And then its, its head splits down the middle and there's like claws and fangs and shit and nails and broken glass. And then Mike is like, and then he shoves the flare into it. I picture one of the uh, creatures that Mike smashed his way through was uh, a toy monster, but it was made entirely of like the crotches of action figures. There you go. And it just didn't stand a chance. Mike just smashed through it. Mike just like, he didn't, it was like, where do I start? And he just like, it's funny. (laughs) He punched it six times all at once. Normally when Sal's not here, we make him totally ineffective. But this time, he's like, in Kids on Bikes, he's like a superhero when he's not around. Actually, when he was around, too. It's like the camera, like, watches him. He was crushing even when (laughs) he was on, too, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, The camera, we see him, like, pull back his fist, and then we we look at the the crotch toy as, like, six mic fists, like, converge on it at once. (laughs) It's like a a Sam Raimi moment. (laughs) And then it just flies apart. Ah. Picked, picked uh, on the wrong school bully, motherfucker. Exactly. Did not know who he was fucking with. Michael, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Slam. It's like a giant ray of light like emerges visible from space. All right. So you freaking dodge and weave through these toys. I mean, it's it's a uh, Harrison. You you do a magnificent job. You you're just like. Boy, I sure wish Dad were alive so that he could see me do just as well as he might have done in the, on the football team when he, when he was my age. Oh well, I love you, Ghost Dad. You know, <laughs> Ghost Dad, Ghost Car. That's sad. I love you too, Sheriff Valdez, and I regret seeing you murdered only a day or two ago. <laughs> Be, having the life punched out of you. Let's see. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is 
getting dark. We're so fast. Kids, right? Yeah. On bikes? Am I right? Okay, so the two of you very successfully like grab the attention of a huge portion of these angry, angry toys. They're probably not as angry now as they were. They seem to be almost like desperate to follow you to like avenge their fallen leader. So there's more like a desperate energy to their attacks. They're, it's, it's almost more berserk than they were before. And they pursue you down the, uh, well, I don't know, uh, pick right or left for the the end or the exit that you choose the your address uh, we choose the right tunnel all right cool and the two of you with nary a scratch really find ways to like draw the attention of a good oh god i want to say about half the toys uh pursue you including some of them uh, that were attacking aristotle and pat the remaining toys sort of like with their numbers dwindled and their leader uh, fallen. As the, toys, as the toys take off from uh, me and Pat, uh, we both had just been pummeled. Aristotle looks over to Pat and says, Welcome to America, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it is so much like home. I was not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Pat just like looks at you and goes, You think this is bad, Toy Factory? <laughs> <laughs> Toy Factory back home make Kalishnikov. Yeah. At home, I have to pay for this experience, but here it's free. <laughs> this is called recess, where I come from. Yes, racist man on the factory where I'm from, too. Combat is effectively over, but many of you have had the shit kicked out of you. The toys are still animated, but they have withdrawn. Sort of like growling, hissing, grinding their gears, whirling their necks on the ends of their flossy necks. They're also emotionally withdrawn. They're not distant, to us. distant, kind of yeah. sulky, pouting. Clarence pulls down his shirt, wipes up the snot from his nose, tries to pretend like he wasn't crying, and he helps Aristotle up. Are you, are you okay, Aristotle? Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Ow, ow, I really got hurt there. Are you, you're bleeding, oh my god, oh my god. Aristotle actually looks like he's had several gouges taken out from his uh, legs and arms, uh, as well as huge big bloody cuts on his forehead his nose tufts of hair have been torn out of his head aristotle looks like he's been through the shit it almost looks like he got the worst end of a fight with a blender pat has looks absolutely the same <laughs> not quite as bad but it's very clear somehow looks better <laughs> but aristotle you're actually like leaking blood on the floor you need medical attention. Can I search through my trench coat for uh, some t-shirts? I'm a, I'm a fat kid, I sweat a lot, I bring backup t-shirts. Can I grab some of those t-shirts and uh, use them to wrap up Aristotle's wounds? Yes, you can. As you guys are uh, mopping up his blood, electrolyte slowly emerges from the mouth of the, uh, of the slide. You took forever coming down that slide, buddy. We could have used <laughs> you like 10 no, minutes he, ago. He, he has this very sort of sheepish look on his face. It's not entirely sure how long he was in there, but you guys felt like it was like you were fighting for for your lives for a couple minutes there. He actually looks like he's two years older. <laughs> he's seen some shit. He actually helped hold down Aristotle for a little bit. I'll help you guys. A path opens up in the snarling and heaving throng of toys, and uh, the bonneted creature, I guess, approaches you. You can clearly see that compared to the rest of it, it's, uh, it is clearly like a veteran of whatever cannibalization 
they use to build themselves. One foot of the uh, of the bonneted toy is another doll head that is also snarling and blinking. One arm, like I said before, is like a steam shovel. Its uh, clothing has been patched, mended, and repatched. And now it's got this sizable dent in its uh, vinyl head, and one eye is missing. Just like this little black hole in the, in the center of it where uh, Flip nailed it with his uh, slingshot. Kill him, Electrolyte, the one in the bottom. Kill him, now, hurry. I feel like Clarence would also be like, this one's a collector's item. Electrolyte looks at the bonneted toy, the doll, and uh, the throng kind of like closes around them and uh, or around you all i should say it's still like a, a huge hive of these creatures uh, and there's still tons of debri- uh, detritus and debris everywhere in detroit they call it detritus <laughs> i was going to say it earlier but there was a lot of discussion about you know getting killed by crickets earlier <laughs> well, i like to joke jesse thank you i didn't but you know the bonneted doll looks at uh, electrolyte kind of regarding him uh, almost with like a suspicious air to its injured face. And then it turns to you guys and says, What manner of toys are you? Are you spies? Thieves? We're, we're, we're not toys. Have you ever heard of them? Like, we're not the same. We're, we're people. We're the users. Only toys here are the waste room. We're the users of toys. Did you ever see that movie, Tron? <laughs> We're like the, the, we're your gods. Kneel before, (laughs) flip, kneel, I say. The toys as one repeat this refrain that you guys have uh, seen before, that there's like this deafening roar as they shout, No gods, no kings, only fun. Uh, The only one that does not repeat this is the one in front of you. You know who wasn't having fun? My buddy Aristotle here, when you tried to chop him to pieces. <laughs> and I met Neil so we could play Twister together, actually. So. I would like to roll a charm roll. God, I was really hoping you would say that. And cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> if this works, I will. Go for it. Roll a charm roll. <laughs> I'm going to roll a charm roll. My, let me say at first what my plan is, because if it doesn't work, it'll be funny. But if it does work, it'll also be funny. My hope is that I can introduce myself as hello. My name is Fun. I am your leader. We're going to the goat head. <laughs> yes. So here we go. Oh, I rolled a 16 out of 20. Okay, okay. All right, so this is going to be... All right, all right. Uh, I didn't give you a target, but that's pretty damn high. I am known for my charm. I do have good charm and good goat head. For charming a hostile party, I was going to say that it would be at least a 15. So I'm going to say that this works. Uh, they do. There's like a murmur, a rustle, a, uh, a wave uh, of reaction that goes through uh, the toys as uh, as you announce yourself as the as fun, their god. Oh dang, your name's fun. I thought your name was Pat. Shut up, little one. Dude, I am way bigger than you. What are you talking about? I'm huge. I'm like the biggest kid in school. You may be physically bigger than me, but I am mentally bigger than you. As you guys are having a fun little uh, exchange, there is a rustle, a hissing sound, and at, f- at first you're not entirely sure exactly what's going on because it looks like they're so many of the toys are kind of like having like this involuntary lurch. Then you realize after a moment, they were all giving, most of them rather, were giving these little quiet little <laughs> chuckles. 
It was incredibly unsettling and eerie. And the the doll in front uh, also happened to do one. And they all, the do- several of the toys all look at each other and they murmur, Funny. Funny. Yes. Um, no, I don't like where yes. this is going. Fun. Hello, I am fun. The vinyl wrinkles on the face of the doll kind of relax for a split second. And you realize it almost looks kind of aged for having the face of a child. It almost looks like a septuagenarian baby. It's really unsettling. The doll looks at uh, Pat and says, Huh, so you do know fun. Perhaps, perhaps you're not toys after all. Nope, no toy here. Just good old pure fun. The crazy little uh, doll face that it has for a foot kind of relaxes as well, and it rolls its eyes up at the head, the, the proper head of this uh, creature. It looks at you and says, I am Summerberry Grunt. Hey, hey, Summerberry Grunt. Do you have my friend Aristotle's skin? Uh, he lost a couple patches a little bit ago. When you enter the waste room, you take your chances. There is only one destiny to any who enter the waste room. And that is to be taken apart and used again. Yeah, I don't think you can use our parts. I don't, I don't think they're, uh, uh, I don't think they're compatible, little buddy. No, our, our blood will make you real sticky, actually. Only toys have ever come to the waste room. But you are not toys. Very strange. So, so you've never met a non-toy before? We have been here so long. It is very strange to see things that are not toys. What are you? With that, she rolls her gaze back to uh, Electrolyte, who kind of like tries to avoid looking at her in the eye, I should say. Can I answer her? Yeah. We're kids on bikes. And this is our waste. And I pee in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Summerberry Grunt looks as uh, Clarence has his moment and Flip does his pun. We've been here for a very long time. Our apologies. We thought you were here to steal from our horde. And she gestures over to the big knotted throng of tires that uh, is still sort of sitting over in the corner, kind of kicked aside now. She almost looks a little sheepish. Uh, She says, If you are the ones who make the fun, then we need to help you. And with that, she points to Aristotle and the toys begin to sort of close in slowly, almost appreciatively or reverently. Several of them uh, reaching into their innards, pulling out fluff, pulling out thread, pulling out needles. Yeah, several of them pull out snippers or clippers. Aristotle, run! Run, Aristotle! This did not look good for me. Do you not wish us to repair your friend? We must make amends and repair your friend, says uh, Summerberry Grunt. I say give it a chance. Look like good American healthcare system. <laughs> Electrolyte like steps in front of Aristotle and, and you know with uh, the best like toughest look he can muster says not not toys uh, friends not toys with that as well as uh, the rest of your uh, responses the toys kind of back up although he is still uh, Aristotle is bleeding appreciatively have you guys ever tried to heal uh, kids or people anything like that without you know using scissors and toy related items to that's what they were trying to do 
You look really pale, Aristotle. Are you feeling all right? Oh, it's just because I don't count in the sunlight very much. But also, I've lost a lot of blood. Several of the toys look sort of uh, anxiously at their leader, who looks for a moment, you know, there's like an almost far away look as its one eye opens wide, though with realization or uh, having like a, you know, a, a thousand yard stare as if it was remembering something. Remembering its other eye, I say, sorry about that ball bearing to your, to your freaking dome, but uh, yeah, can you help him? He's about to die. She like scoffs at what you said. She says, I still have my eye. It's just within. And she's as rattling her skull a little bit, and you can hear clearly her little glass eye tumbling around. If not, Super if it gross. wasn't the glass eye, it's the, the ball bearing that you launched at her. It's gnarly. She takes uh, a needle and thread from one of the toys and begins to approach Aristotle, uh, looking at several of the cuts and bruises and uh, abrasions. A couple of the toys go with her, offering bits of like filling and fluff or gauze. And she starts uh, applying these little bits uh, underneath the uh, matted t-shirts and things like that that you've created. Several of the other uh, toys come out with tape, bits of uh, wound cloth or thread. It's excruciating, Aristotle. I'm going to need you to make another uh, grit roll. Any of you need hand wipes? I can help out there. Do you actually offer hand wipes? Yeah. Does it, it looks like he's being mutilated. He is not. It looks like they're actually trying to tend to his wounds by basically using what would you what you would find inside a toy repair kit. Got a six on grit. Aristotle, you barely remain conscious as the toys, one by one, using uh, the smallest needles they can find, begin to patch you together again. Wow, like Sunday school all over again. They swab your cuts. Whatever is deep enough, they begin to suture. And there are many very, very deep cuts, especially one or two that you uh, didn't even notice before on your, on the inside of your leg and on your abdomen. Oh, those are from a different adventure with other friends last week. <laughs> other bikes, other kids. Yeah, Aristotle, you're going to have a hard time walking. Fortunately, the toys tell, give you a moment to a moment or two to rest. It turns out, of course, that you're... So you are back up to temporarily hurt. A pat, your wounds, for the most part, have stopped. Uh, your, your cuts are, for the most part, superficial. Your shirt, your pants are very torn, rather bloody, but for the most part, it's, again, like I said, superficial. Aristotle, one of the toys extends what appears to be a conglomerate of sticks, toy garden implements. It's basically like an overlarge crutch that they offer you to lean on while you're making your way around the interior of their domain. Can I also, can I use my power to have Electrolyte use his super strength to just carry our boy around? You absolutely can. Okay. I want to do that. I want to say, Electrolyte, use your strength. Electrolyte lifts Aristotle up like he was made of leaves. He's not even going to need to roll for it. All right. Thank you, Electrolyte. Uh, Friends, he says. I'd like to use uh, my awkward power to say that one hand is, uh, he doesn't know what he's not doing on purpose, but it is technically on Aristotle's ass <laughs> and making Aristotle feel uncomfortable. Sorry, Aristotle. Lift his ass. All right. So the toy it is not painless by any stretch, but with the help of some wet ones provided by, uh, by Flip, uh, they kind of tidy you up a little bit, Aristotle, and you are no longer... Uh, bleeding out from uh, massive uh, gut wounds. So 
Uh, you win? Question mark? <laughs> you win. You win? You live. You live. However, until you receive proper medical treatment that isn't being delivered by possessed toys, you're going to need somebody to help you get around, or you're going to need assistance. Roger that. Guys, I think we need an adult. Okay, they're all messing around. I think we need an adult. Aristotle's going to die if we don't. Oh, I, I, I'm a little better now, thank you. Those toys did a little bit of good work for me. Uh, I think I better call Kettle. Maybe I should use my walkie-talkie and call Kettle. Maybe he can help. Several of the toys, as soon as you say Kettle or Grown Up, they begin to murmur. Summerberry Grunt says, Kettle? Char Charles? Charles Kettle? She stutters. How do you know Charles Kettle? Oh, we hang out in shanties in the middle of toy henges, usually. Is Charles Kettle here? With that, Summerberry Grunt sort of like looks anxiously or perhaps even expectantly around, like around behind you. Uh, several of the toys look up the slide. Is he coming? Is he coming back? No, he's he's back at back at Kettle's hovel right now. Hovel. Hovel. Kettle's hovel, that's what we call it. He doesn't like to call it that, but we refer to it as Kettle's hovel. Do children often live in, in hovels? Oh, no, he's old now. Yeah, no, he... <laughs> He didn't, uh, he didn't grow up well. <laughs> Things didn't work out for uh, Kettle. He could use... And he lost the ability to clearly answer questions at some point when aging. He's very elusive. <laughs> very. So Summerberry Grunt, her one eye sort of like dips down. Several of the toys approach her reverently. One of them hands her her sword back, which she kind of like uses, a, uses also as kind of like a crutch, walking alongside Aristotle. She says, uh, You... You need grown-ups. Yes, grown-ups. We need help for our friend here. He's going to die without medical care. Plus, uh, you know, this is all crazy. Just a lot of living toys. It's, it's, we only have Harrison here, and he's uh, kind of gun crazy. And Kettle is also a grown-up now? Yeah, Kettle's grown-up now. It almost looks like she's been shaken or somehow taken aback by the information that you've given her. He's all groansed. Yeah, he doesn't worship fun anymore, I'll tell you that. The re remainder of Toyland is extremely dangerous. There have been no children or fun here in a very long time, it would seem. And you need grown-ups. Yes, I know where to take you. When your friends return, I will tell them where you've gone and send them in the right direction as well. Don't worry, um, my friends here- She says, gesturing to the uh, piecemeal toys. Will not harm them, so long as they don't do anything foolish. But you don't want to continue to go through Toyland. You need to follow me. And with that, the remainder of the toys uh, scoot the uh, garbage and detritus aside. The toys make a path through the garbage and detritus and uh, lead you out of the main area of this enormous chamber to a side door that wasn't immediately, uh, that was, well, it was disguised, to be honest with you. It was very well hidden, uh, made to look like part of the wall. One or two of the dolls remove padding from their limbs, slip them underneath the, the door, and a, a few clicks later, you hear the sound of dry gears turning and the door slides open. You can clearly see fluorescent light from, out, from outside in what appears to be a fairly brightly lit hallway that connects this room to what appears to be a corridor. Summerberry Grunt looks at you and says, Adults 
grown-ups, she says, of correcting herself, are through here, but be careful. They're not fun. Most adults are not in our theory. Nope. So what's in this room? A whole bunch of my stepdads? You'll find something that you can use to fix your friend. Hmm. Won't be my stepdad, then. She gives you a... a she gives Flip a confused look. but says... But be careful. Many passages lead back through Toyland. And some are not as friendly as the waste room. Maybe you should come with. Why don't you join? No, I must stay here with my people. We toys must stay together. If we leave this place, we may fall apart. Well, we've had a real up-and-down relationship, you and I, Bonnet. Summer Bear. But I'll tell you this. I wish you farewell, and then I want to use my power to force Damien to use his power and do the truffle shuffle to say goodbye. How do you use your power to make Damien do his power? He bullies me. He bullies me I bu- and puts the fear I want to use, God yeah, electrolyte oh strength to, to lift him up and shake him. Yeah. He picks me up by my collar, and I immediately start truffle shuffling in midair. He just slaps. Uh, he just slaps Clarence on the side. <laughs> like, like this is how we wave goodbye. Like, just, yeah. just want to say farewell. In the background, you hear uh, the sobbing of a fat kid who fears for his life. <laughs> truffle. Several of the toys sort of give that incredibly eerie chuckle again. Uh, but Summerberry Grunt leans into you, Flip, and holds her odd makeshift arms uh, open as if she was trying to get a hug. Oh, no way. Really? The chick that I shot her eye out? Hug us, Jesse. Uh, oh, jeez. All right. Bring it in, shortcake. One of us. I give her a good old squeeze. It's really odd. Her hair smells a little bit like berries. It's kind of kind of weird. Oh, that's nice. I scratch and sniff her. No, I don't. I actually don't. I I run away. As you come in for a hug, she whispers into your ear. Tell. She says with a, like an almost painful pause. When you see Charles again, tell him that Kiwi says hello. Will do. As she releases you, she says. Please be careful. This place is very dangerous, especially for naughty children. Oh, I'm not naughty at all. Do you have any do you have any weapons or any equipment that a naughty child could possibly use to defend himself from the toys of death? Is there a big chocolate waterfall fountain in the middle of this place? I'm thirsty and looking just to dunk my head in. We have a long this is a long conversation after I gave my traditional Wave goodbye to you. Yeah, I'm still being held up. Uh, she gives truffling. you guys. Uh, she gives you a puzzled look and says, "No, there are no weapons that can save you from the t- from the dangers within Toyland. Your best chance is to skirt around Toyland by using the grown-up areas where we are not allowed to go. But still, those areas are still dangerous." Okay. So the bars? No, Heaven's Door. Heaven's door lurks outside these walls, and though they are grown-ups, they might, you might be a little bit safer there, certainly safer than within Toyland. Remember, it's dangerous here, especially for naughty children. Especially for naughty, yeah. I fist pound her and then, like, uh, we, we, we roll, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. As the door is closing behind. behind you, she looks to you and says, Remember what I said? She says, looking at Flip. Yep, if we see Chuck, I'll tell him Kiwi says hi. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, peace out. <laughs>
And she closes the door and... You're getting cooler by the minute. <laughs> All, right, um, All right. And thus endeth the episode. Uh, Kids on Bikes number, I want to say, six. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Caleb Cleveland. You can find me uh, at uh, Caleb is Drawing on all your friendly neighborhood social medias as Ch- uh, Chaz, uh, or otherwise known as uh, Clint Beischer. Where can people find you? You can find me on social medias at uh, Clint Beischer, C-L-I-N-T-B-E-I-S-H-I-R, uh, at, you know, any of them, any of the... Any of yeah, the ones. Occasion. That's the first yeah, time he's good. ever spelled you, it. You know. Amazing. Perfect. Uh, Damian Mercado, Clarence Peterson, where can people find you? Uh, you could find Clarence Peterson at Fat Camp this summer. I'll be the kid who hates my parents. No, where can people find where um, can people find you, Damian? Where can people find you? At awful D on Twitter and Instagram. At awful D, you say? Jesse Egan, where can people find you? At Jesse Egan Comedy. I, I'll, I want to spell it too. J E S S E E G A N Comedy. You know how that one's. Why not? On all social media. And please check out my new special, new stand up special on Dry Bar Comedy. If you get a chance, you can watch it for free on the Dry Bar Comedy app. Uh, so I appreciate it. Please check it out. It's called That's the Spirit, Jesse Egan on Dry Bar Comedy. Thank you. Now it's a tribute to Gallagher's comedy specials, right? There's so many melons that get mashed. <laughs> It's a melon mashing. We did the melon mash. Jokes are best when covered. Joe Camacho, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at HotCop69. It never gets easy to listen to that. 69s are super (laughs) easy, bro. (sighs) I decided to embrace my inner douche, so I put up some douchey background pictures as well. I believe one of them was suggested by uh, Corso, so... (laughs) Fair enough. That's fantastic. Um, I love it. And uh, AG, who played Penelope today so beautifully, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on social media at Muller She Wrote and at Daily Beans Pod. Sarah Lee Steiner, where can people find you? You can find me at Sarah Lee Magic, S A R A L E E M A G I C. Almost said J. That's okay. <laughs> Spelling is hard. Um, You can also find us at Patreon um, at Awful D&D. We have, I think, 10 10 subscribers in one week. So thank you, guys. Yeah, it's great. I want to shout out to all of them on yes. Chud's Buds, too. Special so. gifts coming your way. And Dave Callens as Aristotle Jones. Where can people find you? Oh, you can look me up on Twitter, Instagram at Sharkodile. Figure it out. And, pretty- and you have a fantastic sort of like movie uh, guy that you're doing on Facebook right now. Is that correct? Oh, on Facebook, Monday through Friday at like 8.45. Yeah, I just do a dumb live stream about dumb stuff. It's really dumb, but it's fun. If you want to see Dave make a bunch of lists that you disagree with wholeheartedly, yeah, tune in too. Yeah, yeah, if you want to argue to. with Dave in yeah. real time. <laughs> hey, Dave, what's your take on Thor Ragnarok? Let me hear that real one quick. One of the worst Marvel movies. You're stupid. You son of a bitch. Don't listen to that thing. Yeah. What's one of the what best the hell's ones, wrong with Dave? You? Give me one of the you, best ones. You, for, for you liked Jojo ones. Rabbit, but I you mean, didn't like that. What's, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, Endgame is the best one. Uh, Winter okay. Soldier is one well, of the best. Well, no, yeah, that's not, that's obvious okay oh um those are those are good oh by the way yes howard uh, incidentally um brandon drake who is uh one of the aforementioned uh certificate winners of the weeby toys uh uh sweepstakes was named after brandon drake 
uh, for at Brandon Drake on Twitter. And Kiwi, free-spirited Kiwi, is named for Kiwi Tayro, who is also uh, another another listener on Twitter. So thank you very much, Brandon and Kiwi, uh, for uh, tweeting about us and uh, getting back to us. We really, really appreciate it. We love all fan interactions. So please, if you like the podcast, uh, uh, you know, get at us on uh, on any of your fr- friendly ma- neighborhood uh, social medias. Uh, hop onto iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. It would be like rolling a d20 in kids on bikes and not screwing up or getting eaten alive by uh decrepit toys anyway thanks very much for joining us today uh join us next time when uh we have everybody go down a clown's throat at the exact same time thanks very much everybody we love you gentlemen my name is kevin and this is shout out number five a little bit of rick turpin in my life a little bit of jessica Ardbear by my side a little bit of rebecca throop is all i need a little bit of christopher skelton is what i see a little bit of nastasia grain in the sun a little bit of lindsey taylor all night long a little bit of lynette de bell here i am A little bit of Matthew Reiner makes me your man. Uh, Excuse me, Chance Deason, stop the music. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I've just been handed a letter from my producer, Chris Waltrip. It appears to be a cease and desist from the law firm of Baker and Escobedo. Apparently, I'm in copyright infringement of another popular song. No matter, my own attorney's torso full of bees and malleus varmintum will handle this. Fred Milano, fetch my steed. This isn't over.